Good afternoon. Today's Lots of Matzah Pizza Pod, we bring in a North Dakota native, Brad Schlossman, the beat writer for the University of North Dakota, and a beat writer for Grand Forks Herald. It's going to be a great show today. We are going to talk about his uh, writing background, his journalistic viewpoints, and we'll get a lot of great UND names uh, in this next 60 minutes. We're going to talk about our Mount Rushmore's of UND, uh, great team at UMD and then talk a little bit more about um, the fun stuff of his industry, uh, the trends of today's journalism. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, Brad, thank you for joining us today on the Lots of Matza Pizza Pod. Where are you today in this COVID-19 virus? Just sitting at home or have you gotten about out and about yet? I'm doing my job sitting at home. Good work. Good work. We appreciate that. <laughs> and there hasn't been a death yet in North Dakota. As of yesterday, I didn't see one. Has there been? I think we have one right now. Um, you know, hopefully we're able to, to keep numbers uh, down here. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a scary time right now. Very, very scary time. Uh, from a journalist's perspective, uh, what have you been doing? I mean, do you, do you have any stories to write? Uh, I saw one of your tweets about five to ten days ago had a, a gopher UND 1997, and I think you probably uh, drove uh, YouTube stock through the roof with just one tweet because I can't tell you how many hundreds of people commented to me about watching that game again. Yeah, you know, that, I've enjoyed these, uh, you know, some fans have been putting some of these old games on YouTube, and it's been kind of fun to go back and, and watch that during our downtime here. But as far as work goes, there's been a lot of uh, stuff to write about here with uh, the season ending. I've been uh, doing season wrap-up stuff. We've got a, a special section coming out, eight-page section kind of detailing the um, you know, what had happened, uh, during this, uh, season as a whole, uh, there's guys, uh, leaving guys coming back, you know, awards being handed out. So, uh, right now it's uh, been a pretty busy time actually for, uh, for writing. We've had no shortage of, uh, of content in the Herald. I think I'm in the same boat. We've had these pizza pods every day, but it feels like uh, there's a, a USHL announcement, the NTDB mm-hmm. announcement. Uh, we're going to have our Player of the Year awards coming out soon. Uh, there's no shortage of content, even without the the puck and ice availability, puck stick ice availability out there. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we'll see how long, how long this uh uh, period goes for. I think there's a lot of uncertainty, but for sure, at least the last few weeks, and I, I'm uh, figuring even the next few weeks, it's still going to be a pretty busy uh, time for sports writers, even without games. Yeah. Did you ever go uh, to Naples to cover their uh, the coaches uh, committee thing where they go down to Naples every year? Did you ever go down to that? That'd be pretty good I would, coverage. I would love to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you never got commissioned I, to go, huh? 
No, no, I, I'm always sitting back here sending off tons of texts to try to figure out what's going on and what's <laughs> happening, what's being talked about, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that this year. I, uh, it just doesn't appear like there's any chance. Uh, no way that's happening. happening. No, no, so they're going to have to uh, get creative with some, uh, you know, maybe Zoom meetings or something like that, like everyone else is doing right now. But uh, And this is that's going to be something that's really interesting because – this is a rules change here in college hockey. Mm-hmm. Every two years, they're able to change the rules um, and, and make rules changes. This is one of those years where they can. And this and is so where they would go to the convention in Naples and chat about it, right? Correct. And they would go back and forth and, you know, ideas on what they should change, what they shouldn't. And, uh, you know, eventually the rules committee uh, takes some guidance from the, the coaches and the meetings there and, and implements or proposes new rules. And, uh, you know, so this is a key year for those meetings. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, they're going to have to have that convention. That convention is so big. And it's what I learned is that convention isn't just D1 and D3. I mean, that's ACHC. They're, they're, all those coaches from the from the club hockey are there as well. So it's a, just a huge, huge event down in Naples. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, you know, I, I just, uh, it's, it's not going to happen in person. No, uh, but they're going to have to find some way to still get the uh, information passed along and uh, surveys done, and um, and the big one I think that is going to be talked about is what to do about overtimes. I, I think. Yeah, uh, there, there's going to be really good uniform. Point. Yeah, it's going to be uniform across all the conferences. Uh, it's just a matter of what's that going to look like. All right, so let's get to know who Brad Elliott Schlossman is. Um, uh, just kind of let's just go through your background. I know I, I know from talking to you before we we started the show, you grew up in Fargo. Talk about your your childhood and where you went to college and and how you ended up at the Forum. Yeah, in, in the so Forum I, Sports. Uh, sorry, I meant the Herald, but it's owned yeah. by the Forum. Sorry. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Fargo, went to Fargo South uh, High School, uh, graduated from there. And, um, you know, I, I think when I was about a junior in high school, uh, I started getting an inkling that being in sports media was something that I might want to do. Uh, I, I took a, a journalism class uh, in high school. My advisor was uh, awesome. And I think that's uh, kind of uh, led me further down that path. Like, you know what? I, I do like this. Uh, I went to, to school at UND, and one of my uh, classes I had was with the editor of the Herald. Okay. And uh, I, I, at this point, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. You know, do, do you want to do uh, newspaper, TV, radio? I, I, I don't know. I just knew I wanted to be involved in sports somehow. I grew up playing sports. Uh, I tried, you know, just about everything. Right. Um, you're a big tennis guy though, right? That was my best sport. Yeah. Tennis was by far my best sport. Uh, so I, I played that the most. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So I, uh, I ended up uh, asking uh, the editor of the Herald if there was any summer internships. Uh, he said there was, and, uh, I started as an intern in 2003 and I haven't, (laughs) I haven't left since. Uh, my my job has changed over the years, 
uh, it was right away I was kind of answering phone calls when uh, high school coaches would call in their scores from high school football, basketball, soccer, wrestling, tennis, golf, volleyball, right? Volleyball. Yep. Uh, anytime I was the guy who was working from, you know, 730 until midnight on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Um just kind of doing all sorts of random tasks too. And when, once I graduated, there were no jobs open in sports, but there was in news covering small town news. So um, I jumped over and did that for about six months. And then the, uh, the guy you, what, what small town did you go work for? Uh, I, I worked for the Herald still. I just covered um, my job was to cover the small towns surrounding the Herald or sorry, surrounding Grand Forks. So the things I wrote about were, you know, in Crookston, Minnesota, or Devil's Lake, North Dakota, or Thief River Falls. So I, I kind of went out in these small communities and, and wrote about, you know, whatever was going on what there. Was, what was a news story in, in these towns? Is, is it, would it be like shootings or would it be more, more feature type stuff? It was more feature type stuff. Uh, so you know there what I mean, like in, new, like crime, not crime. It would be more feature type stuff, right? Yeah. So, 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 what I wrote was for an insert that went into the Herald, that went out to these small towns, and it went it went out once a week. So, like, if there were if there was crime or shooting, that would be immediately turned around for the next day for the actual Herald, and this was going into a a, a supplement publication. So if so, right. so, essentially, I was writing about news that wasn't interesting enough to get into. <laughs> so, so I wrote some really, uh, some really interesting features. I, I, Boy, I, I love to see you at a bar and people explain. Well, what do you do? You know, uh, <laughs> I, I write about the least interesting things that go in a one week, right? Yeah, I, I try to write about uh, stuff that's. Uh, you know that I try to make it interesting, but if it's too interesting, it gets stolen out of my publication for the Herald. So, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting situation. Uh, and then after about six months, the the guy who covered UND hockey before me, he did it for thirty six years. He who, retired. And who was that? What was his? That name? was Verge Foss. Yep. Uh, so so Verge Foss started in nineteen sixty nine, and and covered the team through uh, uh, all those years and. And coaches and um you know he, he ended up retiring and uh they kind of moved me over there the next year and i've been doing it ever since that was 2005 so, the fall of 2005 was my first year so you let, let's walk through this now in, in growing up in north dakota for the exception of north dakota state football there probably isn't a better sports beat to cover than north dakota hockey did you realize what a gold mining that you had just stepped into Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I wouldn't trade it for uh, the beat for uh, any beats in North Dakota or South Dakota, including North Dakota State football. I'm just saying, if there was a if there's something comparable, it would have to be North Dakota. I would hate to say that North Dakota, yeah. University of North Dakota, is the greatest beat ever, and then have some NDSU <laughs> guy chop me at the knees for for you know ripping. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's all it's all perspective. Yes, uh, yes. To, you know, for, for you know, just the. The hockey program is on such a, a, a you know a national uh, level, and um, you know it's it's followed by uh, so many NHL fans from year to year because of all the prospects that come through here. I, I, I think it's uh, uh, that would be my choice. Some other people would choose North Dakota State football or South Dakota State or something too, and that's right. that's to, to each their own. 
Um, but that would be my choice. You told me before before the show that you were in you know junior high, high school. You became sports obsessed. Describe to me what <laughs> sports obsessed looks like from Brad, Brad Schlossman. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I played sports all the time. Um, I, I concentrated on a couple of them, but I was uh, constantly uh, you know working at uh, my tennis uh, tennis game and. Um, I played baseball until like maybe it was like sophomore, junior year, probably junior year. Okay. Um, so I, I, I did a lot of baseball. Um, when I uh, wasn't uh, playing, I was probably watching uh, on TV and I, I would watch just about everything. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a sport that I, I didn't watch and didn't follow. And uh, I used to uh, go to sleep listening to sports talk radio uh, on the local uh, the local channel. So it was uh, pretty much uh, all day for me. Uh, that sounds very, very familiar. Um, so you've been in the sports uh, writing industry for 15-plus years. Any great memories, uh, non-hockey memories of things that you've covered or just, just been involved with? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. There, when, when I start going back to uh, different things, uh, you know, memories pop up from almost uh, everything I've covered. And um, f- from non-hockey stuff, you know, recently I wrote uh, several stories about the Grand Forks native who uh, climbed the tallest mountain on each continent and it finished with Mount Everest and I'm kind of fascinated by some of that stuff. So talking to him about his process in climbing Mount Everest was just super fascinating to me. What was his name and where was he from? That's pretty cool. Uh, His name is Andrew town. Uh, He he grew up uh, in Grand Forks, graduated from high school from, from here. And now he lives in in Minneapolis actually. And and it was, uh, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Over Christmas break this year, he actually be, joined uh five other guys they became the first people ever uh to row a boat manually from south america to antarctica and so (laughs) yeah he's 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 quite the guy i call him the most interesting man in the world i I think he is uh he's he's done a lot of uh, fascinating things in his life he's uh He's done all those outdoorsy things. He's worked for the CIA. He speaks Swahili. I mean, he's he's uh, he's the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, that does sound pretty darn. That's why I asked <laughs> what his name was. I'm like, that's not something you hear every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we dive into North Dakota hockey, I want to talk a little bit about journalism itself. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of what what do people read these days uh, when when you're writing stories? What, what do they read and what don't they read anymore compared to what they re- read f- ten years ago? Yeah, you know, it, I, that, I'd be really curious to know what people were reading, uh, you know, ten fifteen years ago and stuff. Because the the difference is when I started. Um, we kind of had our perception of what people read and maybe our best feedback on that was how, how many times people come up to us and talk about a story or how many emails do we get after we write a story. But now we have so much more data. So we're constantly tracking, um, how many people, uh, go into a story. How long are they spending on the story? How far are they scrolling down on it? Um, are they reading on their phones or are they reading on desktop? 
what times a day do we see surges? So like everything, we have so much more information now. And I'm not sure if people's habits have changed or have we just become Better more educated uh, in, in what they read and they're just reading the same way. We just didn't know it before. But um, I, I think uh, people like... Uh, it, there's no question I've always felt this, but people like reading about people. Um, yes. it, it's, it's not necessarily always about, uh, you know, statistics and stuff. I, I could write a story about a guy who's on a 12 game point streak, or I could write a story about a guy's background and people are going to read the background story. They're, they're not going to spend a lot of time on the uh, on his point streak story. So I, I think it focuses, uh, it, it just really hammers home that point to, to find really interesting things about the human side of sports. And, and that's something, it's not easy to do sometimes uh, to find really interesting human interest pieces. But if you can, that's what people want to read. Here's a question from, this is a writer-to-writer question. Do you ever find it frustrating that, that uh, you spend six hours, eight hours on a game story, you know, whether it's the, all the stuff that go on pregame, watching the game, you write the story. You spend six, seven hours on something, and X number of people read the story, but then you go through maybe a tweet that you do, something on Twitter that took you like 13 seconds to prepare, and the same amount of people read that tweet as the story that you spent eight hours on. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example here this year. Uh, my most read story this year, mm-hmm. uh, I've had stories this year that I've worked on for, like you said, 10, 12 hours. <laughs> I'm aware. My most, my most read story I wrote in maybe 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. I got to so, hear this. I, I'm so, Same for me. It happens all the time. Yeah, and honestly, these are the stories I love because I'm like, A, it was just a a great story. B, it it took no time to put together, and it was going to be a goldmine. So I wish all of them were this easy. But um, the the story was uh, I found out that – so UND was playing a two-game series. It was the last home series of the season. Uh, On Saturday night of the last home series, it's senior night. Yeah, and um, UND had a really good team that was really tough to get in the lineup. They have a kid named Jackson Keene who's a junior. Uh, he was a kid who was in and out of the lineup. I think after the first month, there was only one time all year he played in both games on a weekend. Okay, so the first game comes against Western Michigan. Uh, Keene has you know one of his best games of the year. Uh, he plays fantastic. Uh, after the game, UND awards its hard hat award in the locker room, which is to their player of the game. Yep. And Jackson Keene got the hard hat. So it was finally his chance to play back-to-back games. Well, one of the seniors was going to be out the next night, which was senior night. And that morning, Jackson Keene walked into Bradbury's office and asked the coach if he could bench him so he could play all seven seniors. Oh, and Jackson wasn't a senior. Jackson was not a senior. He was okay. a junior. And he said, coach, I, I want to, it's their night. Um, take me out of the lineup, play one of them. And Brad said he would think about it. And after a while he thought about it and he did it. He, he said, Jackson, you're out. Um, played all seven seniors. And uh, just a, a 
they ended up winning. They won the uh, league championship that night and uh, just a great story. And, and it took me about, <laughs> I, I asked coach Brad Barry about it. And uh, after I had kind of heard that what, what had happened and, and Brad uh, filled me in on the details, I went back to the office. I turned it around in like 20 minutes and um, it, it was, uh, you know, gold. It was just uh, everyone oh, yeah. read that story, but yeah. So that's kind of a funny uh, example of how, uh, every once in a while you can work for 20 minutes on a story and it's your most read story of the year. And some of them you grind out for 12 hours and you just don't, they, they don't resonate. So this, that's a great example of, of what the media world is so unpredictable. You think this is going to be a great read and that yeah. this one ends up beating it. The, I want to talk about the, the, the newspaper versus the web. So that story goes up on to the Grand Forks Herald website. And it explodes, yep. I'm guessing, right? People read it on their phone, yep. they read it on the website, whatever. Does that story actually make the newspaper? Oh, yeah. yeah. That one makes yeah. the newspaper, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Most of, almost all of our stories uh, go in the newspaper. It, it, anything that goes on the web is probably going to be in the newspaper, too. Okay. Uh, there are certain things I do that um, are really geared toward the web, though. Um, sometimes if you, if there's a, a video clip and it's like, watch, you know, this crazy thing that happened in this game, like right. that doesn't reproduce to the web very well, or sorry, to print very well. So we just leave that as a web thing. So right. sometimes there are things that just play better on the web and don't really work for print that we will just leave it on the web. But I would say 90% of what we, what's posted on the web gets in, in print. Sometimes there are different things you do. Um, you know, sometimes in print, there are space, uh, yes. you know, issues. So what I will do is, um, I will write a story as long as I want and, you know, just, you know, put it together the way I want to. And then if we don't have the space for it, we, we have to cut it for print. But the beauty of the web is we don't have space issues. We can put as much as we want. In there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the nice parts about online. You told me earlier today that, um, you have your deadline. Like I, I know about deadline. You know yeah. about deadline. Your deadline changed this year. Talk about that yeah. for a second. Yeah, yeah. So we it used to be uh, about ten fifty. Uh, this year, because uh, we no longer have a, a press on the Grand Forks at Prince and Fargo, and has to be driven up here, and we have to have our our press run done before Fargo starts its press run. All deadline is like six six thirty. So uh, it's it's weird in the sense that we don't have sports deadlines anymore. Essentially, um, I still because our our uh, our company owns tons of papers, and maybe there's a paper in uh, maybe Fargo wants to run my UND hockey game story, or Duluth, or Bemidji, or Dickinson, or. Uh, one of those, I still file something pretty quick after the game so they can get it in for theirs. But for ours, if there's one benefit to it, it's that um, I have time after the games now. I'm not like super rushing. rushing to get something in the paper. So maybe I'll sit and interview a guy for a little longer than I would if I had to rush back up on deadline. Maybe I have time to look up a statistic that I wouldn't have you know, five years ago. So th there's kind of a trade off there that I, I you know, it, it's, it's too bad that things can't get in the print copy. I wish they did. 
Um, but you know, it, it should mean that my story online is going to be better. All right. So there's a lot of hockey nerds on our website who might not understand, uh, your employer. And I think it's important uh, for 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 our audience that are listening, because there's a lot of there will be a lot of people from from North Dakota, a lot of Sioux fans that will be listening mm-hmm. into the show, because uh, we're gonna drop a lot of Sioux information or whatever Fighting Hawk information here as we as we go further down on the road. So I'd like to just kind of because I didn't really fully understand it, and and Jess Myers is a friend of mine. I know he works for Rest Rink Live, and they're all connected. So let's talk a little bit about those how it's all connected from the Grand Forks Herald all the way down to the Rochester Post Bulletin. Yeah, so so Forum Communications is the company that owns a bunch of properties. They own uh, the Fargo Forum. They own the Grand Forks Herald, Bemidji Pioneer, Duluth, Rochester, Wilmer, Detroit Lakes, Albert Lee, Woodbury. They have papers all over in this area, Mitchell, South Dakota, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, Brainerd is another one, yep. but the, we're, we all work under the same uh, umbrella. Uh, you know, so that's why when I say I file my, I, I still file a story on deadlines. So any of those ones that want to use their paper can, uh, the rink live is a property that's owned by forum communications. So like Jess Myers and Mick Hatton also work for forum com. And, and, and then, then also Duluth is a big part of this as well, because, you know, now you have access to the writers and the photos from the Duluth News Tribune, correct? Yeah. So, so like, uh, that's kind of nice when we go out there, we, we just use their, their photos. Sometimes like, let's say the NCHC is going to like when the NCHC announces that, um, it's going to use three on three overtimes. Sometimes like Matt Wellens who works for the Duluth News yep. Tribune and I will t- talk and we'll say, uh, you know, Hey, is there any way you can take that one today? And I'll take this one. And then, you know, maybe he writes it and our paper can run what he writes. Correct. And I can, I can, so, so we, we do do some of that uh, communication, um, in, you know, if, if there are going to be things that are going to overlap and we're going to write the exact same thing, sometimes we'll just have one of us do it, uh, especially when some, you know, when things happen in the summer and usually one of us is on vacation. Here's so one, that's, uh, here's one yeah. for you. So I, I remember being right in the thick of it with you guys and not that we were, you know, what's competition anyway, right? When you get a story, but when, when Brett Larson was hired at uh, St. Cloud, mm-hmm. I remember I I probably was the one who announced it, right? Uh, youth Hockey Hub, believe it or not, got that yes. scoop. And then because of relationships, right, we, we, we got that story. But how do you guys fight over a story like that, right? Because what do you know and he, what if you both know at the same time and you're like tweeting it or publishing it? How, yeah. do, you, how do you deal with that? You know, uh, and that one and that we was, was weird. It was a weird one because I remember, I think Matt Wellens was the guy who goes, you don't know that for sure. And I'm like, yes, I do. I'm, I, I hit go. And I, I had my three sources and athletic director's office, the whole deal. I thought I did good good work on that story and then i thought about it like man if i work for your newspaper and you work for that newspaper and you both want the story how do you how do you tug a war on something like that well we we, in in a situation like that we probably wouldn't know right you know we you know like if i if i have a, a scoop i'm not 
contacting a bunch of other papers saying, hey, I've got this. I, I basically just roll with it. So a lot of times, uh, and, and Matt would be the same way, I would think that uh, if if we have one, it's just going to be rolled out. And once it's rolled out, that'll be the first I see it or the first that he sees of it. So we really don't ever, uh, you know, go back and forth with, with scoops. With scoops, yeah. We, we really don't. If you got it, you go with it. Is it possible? Like, and you, I'm, I'm guessing in your 15 years you've had a scoop that went bad. Has that ever happened to you? You know what? Uh, that's like my nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, even if, if I ever use a source, like no matter how sure I am, you're still like waiting for it to officially happen because it is just like your worst nightmare that something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, in a, a knock on what it, it hasn't happened yet where I've cited a source on something that's ended up being wrong. Um, citing a know, source or just using, using information and then it was wrong. You've, you've obviously written something that didn't turn out happening, correct? Or no, uh, you know, I can't remember it. I have one. Um, I have one. That's how I there, know. You know. There, yeah. I mean, I, I You know, it's it, it, if it was, it, it was probably a, a small like a, a detail where I said, uh, you know, Saturday instead of Sunday or something like that. But I don't think I've gotten the premise of a story wrong that I can remember. And I would probably remember because I, you know, maybe someone else remembers something that they can yeah, well, drop in. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely my worst nightmare. And uh, you know, I. It's, uh, yeah, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I, I, I realize things, um, things do happen sometimes in, in this industry and then, but yeah, that's, that's obviously my fear. Yeah, it's bad. I had a, an assistant coach at a, let's call it a, a big, uh, an assistant coach. I, I announced an assistant coach, uh, at a, let's call it a blue blood hockey program announced and and he hadn't taken care of his business with his previous employer and it blew up and i had all of the document i had all the documentation you could ever need to prove this and later on i was proven correct but he didn't end up taking the job so that's one of those was i right yeah but was i wrong in publishing it at that specific time probably but i know that it was i had all the data i needed let's put it that way and then that's where it gets tricky right and that, that's where I, I think I've I, I've tried to be careful on the wording. Um, if it if it's not done to say, um, you know, this is what's been verbally agreed to, or right. this is uh, this is where it's uh, appears to be had. You know, I I, re, I I try to be careful of how I word it if it's if it's not signed and yeah. in a done deal. Um, yes, you, know, you have to be really careful. And that's the lesson I learned. And I don't think that I said has, has you know, I think I, I either was will accept or has accepted, you know. Yeah, and that's where yeah. it gets tricky, right? Because there's no contract yeah. in place. And I, 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 I don't know offhand what one you're talking about, if it, but if it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, you were right. And what happened is things changed. Yes. So like, uh, because I, I remember a specific incident where this happened, where someone was lined up to, to take a job and, uh, you know, things changed. And in, in that instance, the reporting on the original one was correct that things were lined up, uh, and things changed. You know, I, I can think of, uh, you know, like, so UND played a, a destination game in Winnipeg yep. in 2013. 
2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And so I like the story that they were uh, um, going to play that game. Uh, the opponent was going to be Omaha. Yep. And uh, that, and that, that was accurate. Uh, Omaha ended up pulling out of the game and they went and found someone else. So then I published another story that said, Hey, Omaha pulled out. This is the team that's going to do it now. Right. And so, uh, that that's one where just uh, what happened changed, but um, it was accurate that Omaha was supposed right. to be the opponent. That and it, it just happens. Yeah. That just kind of yeah. stuff happens. So as long as you know you word it correctly, that's um, you know. And, and sometimes I sometimes I'll use the word you know, barring in, any unforeseen changes. Right. Yeah, that's the classic. Minute, this isn't is it? what is going to happen. You know. So, um, yeah. All right, so we have a lot of uh, UND stuff to cover. I'm just keep teasing that. We're going to go over uh, three or four teams, three or four seasons that uh, in your tenure from 2004 to 2020. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute, but I want to talk uh, a little bit more detail about journalism um, mm-hmm. and the, diff- the, the dividing line between being a fan of North Dakota because you, you went to University of North Dakota, so it's hard not to be a fan of these teams, especially when you're talking about some of the great teams over the last 15 years at UND. Uh, the dividing line between journalism, writing the story, and actually cheering for your team and i'm not saying you're a fan of these teams but we talked through some of these teams and if there's some really great stories and some really you know great uh things have happened in college hockey the last 15 years uh can you dig a little bit deeper as to the the dividing line between that well yeah you know there's uh all these teams have their pr wings and then they have uh journalists that cover it and uh that's uh that's definitely where where my uh job lies and where my focus lies you know um you know during games you're not sitting there cheering for no. uh teams you're you're sitting there worried about uh this is uh i i need to get this on the website i need to have this much done on my story i need to look up this statistic and uh, you know i i think uh you don't watch games um you know, biting your nails, hoping whatever's going to happen. Uh, you watch games analytically. Uh, what's happening on the ice? Um, who's missing shifts? Uh, are they changing lines? Who's matching which line? Like you're just really focused on what's happening within the game and, and how you need to write it and how you need to get your story done and how you can write the most complete story possible what questions you need to ask uh, at the uh, at the post game? Um, you know, you know, a lot of times there may be a uh, you know, like let's say North Dakota has a, a thrilling win. I file my game story, um, and I don't think my game story, uh, you know, was as good as it should have been. Right. Um, it, us journalists aren't going home celebrating that North Dakota won a thrilling game, we're salty because we didn't, we didn't do our job. Kicking the uh, dog, as well right? As we should have. It, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, you're more, you're more focused on the journalism than you are on anything else. And, um, it can be the other way. Like, uh, let's say, you know, the, uh, the team you cover, uh, loses a, a crushing game and, and you feel like, uh, your game story really, encapsulates it really well uh you're happy with how you how you 
did your job. And I, I think that's uh, the focus of our journalists is we try to just really worry about you know what we do in our job. I have a very similar, this very fresh memory. I we were covering the state Class A final, actually both finals, but the Class A final was a team. Uh, Matamidi was playing uh, Hermantown, and Hermantown was out shooting them by like forty-five to ten a- after the after regulation. We have both cameras. I have one. I, I'm on the I'm on I'm ice level camera, and Peter's uh, at the concourse level camera. We're gonna shoot these photos. We're gonna do the post game championship story, and I'm like, I call him on the phone. And I said, Hey, I'm gonna go go to the to the uh, Matamidi side because Hermantown's going to score the game-winning goal and I'm going to be 10 feet away when the puck goes in the net. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> the other team scored. Yeah. And so and you as a journalist, you you feel my pain, right? I mean, Peter did yeah. get the game-winning yeah. goal. He was at concourse level, so he gets both sides, right? But I'm going to get the the money shot, mm-hmm. right? 10 feet mm-hmm. away. Anyway, um so and the celebration and all those things. But the point of it was like it was exactly what you just said. We, I went. I wanted to kick the dog after that because we didn't. <laughs> we didn't get the shot. It didn't turn out journalistically. We got the post game presser. We got all the things that everybody could see, and it was a great coverage and great media, great everything. But it really, I was so mad at myself for you know flipping the coin wrong in that situation. Yeah, yeah. You you really just get uh, you know focused on 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 your job and what you need to do and. Um, then you uh, turn the page to what's uh, what's next, you know. So, yeah, you just move um, on, right? I, I think it's uh, yeah. You have to, uh, you know, if 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 you don't, then I, I don't think your work is going to uh, be very good. No, I know? agree. And if you settle, you never settle, right? Yeah, yeah. You 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 just uh, worry about what you what you can do during games, and that's kind of uh, how I watch games is. Uh, analytically and um you know it's kind of funny and and, and, you know i think fans watch games emotionally a lot uh so uh and they're cheering for one team they're cheering for one team like i i rarely do i find myself wanting a team to win usually the from my perspective because i cover so many games and have so many different you know there's peewee games and high school games and girls games Mm -hmm. all I'm usually cheering for the team that's behind by two goals. If I'm if I'm at cheering at all, and what I mean by that is, I want it to be exciting. All I'm looking for, I want close. That's all I really care about. I want a really exciting finish. Elaborate on that for you. Well, during a game, uh, if you ask me in the middle of a game, I'm probably hoping for the five zero game that I can start writing in the second period, so my night's not going to be super stressful. <laughs> um, I love however. It. Uh, the next morning when I wake up and start looking at analytics, uh, yeah, it's that game where um, I was writing in the second period and it completely changed course and I deleted it and had to rewrite a, a completely different story. Those are the games that everyone's going to read. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like if you're in it, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'd like an easy night tonight where I can start writing and everything's going to be done early and the storylines are going to be done. Um, but the, the ones that really resonate are, you know, the crazy games or something that crazy happens. So I guess if there was one, one thing to say is uh, we love games where there's chaos. Yeah. Like something crazy it. happens. Same. That, you know, fans are going to resonate. Uh, for example, the the story that uh, my game story <laughs> that got the uh, the most hits this year. Uh, actually, maybe it was second, but it was it was certainly up there. Was 
uh, UND was playing out at Denver, and the, the every conference road trip, you have two extra guys who don't dress. So okay. this is the Saturday night game. They oh, know is this the chicken wing one? <laughs> it is. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So these two guys uh, know they're not playing, and instead of going over to the rink with the team, they decided they were going to go grab dinner across the street from the hotel and then go over. Well, one of the guys just suddenly got really sick in the locker room and was throwing up, and they're like, he can't go tonight. Uh, so uh, all of a sudden they said, uh, well, go find uh, Rieger. He has to play. So they're calling him, trying to get a hold of him, because they're thinking he might be, he's probably in the stands right now with his suit on. Yep. Well, it turns out he's finishing uh, a pound of wings at the Cherry Cricket. And <laughs> so uh, he quickly, they said, uh, Riggs, you're in tonight. you got to get over here. And he said, oh, boy. So he pays his tab. Um, you know, comes over to the rink and, uh, you know, the, the team's already on the ice warming up when he gets there. He, he quickly just uh, throws on his gear. He was able to skate a couple laps before warm-ups ended. Uh, he, he's a junior. He's never scored a goal in his career. No way. So, you know, yeah. So, so first of all, this is just going to be a golden story, the fact that this happened, that this kid had to come out and play after he was eating the chicken wings. Yep. And then all of a sudden he comes out, scores for the very first time in his career in the game as a junior. Uh, it ends up being the game-winning goal. Uh, so, like, th- those are the game stories where you're like, oh, man. Like, and then I talked to him afterwards, and he had amazing quotes. Uh, so like it, it was just such a layup. And that's so like are, that's like you're playing nickel slots in Vegas, and the, <laughs> the machine goes off, right? <laughs> exactly. Like that's one where you're like, oh man, like this is a total gift. So um, when things like that happen, it's it's fun. And, oh and, you yeah. Know, you know, it's uh, you know you're going to get a golden story that everyone's going to read, and uh, yeah, that was a fun one. So let's move gears here to uh, some of the tougher things that you have to do as a reporter. So, you know, you, you grew up in North Dakota, went to North Dakota, you work for the local paper, but if something comes down the, the newswire or the, the news blotter where a, a, a player is, you know, got, gets a DWI underage or, you know, some of this college kid kind of things, how do you handle that as a reporter for the team? Yeah, you know, I, I think we kind of uh, have this uh, philosophy that, um, you know, if you uh, if a player's name ends up in uh, the police report, then they should expect to see it in the paper the next day. Um, and, you know, it's, there are varying degrees of what trouble uh, players can get in. Um, but our, our cops and uh, courts reporter uh, gets uh, the jail lock to see if anyone's been uh, booked or arrested uh, every single day. Uh, you know, usually it's not used, you know, athlete-wise. It's just to see uh, what people got booked for. And if it was something crazy, they, okay, well, I need to get on this story. But, and this uh, is your new staff, right? This is the people that the, they're following the, the crime, right? Correct. Yep. And, 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 you know, obviously the, the hockey player names are super recognizable to everyone in town. So if they see one, then they'll come to me and say, hey, yeah, look. If you see Kawaguchi, it's not like, whoa, I, I recognize that name from the sports reporting, right? It's such, they're, they're, they stand out so much, right? Yeah, they, 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 know, uh, they know all the names. So they would come, out, come over and say, hey, uh, a UND uh, hockey player got in trouble. And then all of a sudden, uh, then I'm pursuing the story after that. And anyone that's uh, followed uh, Herald coverage for years knows I've written a lot of those stories over the years of, 
uh, you know, mainly underage drinking type of stories. Right. You know, your college type uh, stuff, right? Ju- Judy's Tavern, uh, you know, where Oshi and Taves got minors. Uh, I remember that was like a front page story for like three days and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, obviously uh, that can happen and it, it has happened. The, um, the, the other one is when you go, like, I grew up here, I live here in the Twin Cities, and what I always harken back to is, I don't remember the year, 98, 99, or 99, 2000, somewhere in there, when the Gophers had a, you know, the Gophers, Minnesota's had some some dubious ones, but they had, they've had rape, and they've had, uh, you know, program-wide cheat, you know, academic scandal. How would you handle that as a reporter if that comes onto your if you if you get a lead I hate to use that word a lead on something like that how far do you take that uh, at, at the Herald? Well, you uh, you don't uh, leave any stones unturned. You uh, uh, try to uh, uh, find out what you can learn. You uh, go through uh, as many uh, uh, available documents uh, as you can to. Uh, figure out uh, what happened and um, you know that's uh, part of the news gathering business but uh, uh, with serious stories like that um, you absolutely uh, do everything you can to learn the truth of what happened and uh, you know it, it, it you know I don't think you uh, tr- you know I don't, don't some people think that you you go through these this news gathering process and you uh, have your mind made up beforehand, like either this happened or this didn't happen, and I'm going to prove it. Now, I think you go through it saying, this is what I've heard. I'm going to see what I can prove. Correct. Either you, 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 you don't try to fit uh, a square peg into a round hole. You find the what the, the, the round hole piece is yep. uh, that fits into it, and then you, you go from there. So uh, we're really in search of, uh, accuracy, the truth, and uh, uh, using as many hard uh, sources as we can, including public documents. It, it, we'll get to public documents here in a second, but it gets to the point where you're almost like an investigator or a, an attorney. Don't you agree? It can't. Yeah, with, with serious issues, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. There, there are uh, you know a lot of issues where um, I I know people who. Uh, are attorneys and you know if, if there are uh, issues in um trying to find certain records uh, i will go to an attorney friend of mine and and ask them for advice on something yeah it's crazy like when i do a a story like we talked about Brett Larson, when i get to the point where i'm going to announce a certain coach or a high school coach is going to be named or a college coach is going to be named or assistants be named i make sure i have two or three different really rock solid sources to prove that I have this before I can actually say this and elaborate on that for yourself as well. Yeah, that's a good question because I think a lot of people don't know how unnamed sources work either. A hundred percent you try to get is if you're using an unnamed source, as many sources as you can, or sometimes there's what, you know, we'll call it um, a, a golden source. Right. What's, the, uh, what's a golden source? I know uh, what they are, but what is it for yeah. our listeners? What is that? So, for example, um, I'll tell you a story from, like, my first year on the beat. Uh, but basically, it would be like, uh, let's say uh, Drew Stafford calls me. And Stafford says, hey, 
I'm signing with the Buffalo Saber. I, I, I just signed my contract with the Buffalo Sabres. Yep. They're going to release it tomorrow. Um, uh, I'm going to, you know, you can't use my name in this. You can't say I gave this to you because they're going to be mad that it was released before, mm-hmm. but I did sign. It's a done deal. Go ahead and run with it. Just say an anonymous source told you. Right. So that would be a golden source. Like Drew Stafford himself just told me he signed his deal. Right. Um, I, I probably don't need to go find a second source on no. that one if it's him himself. So there are instances like that where I you will get it from the person themselves saying, hey, this is a done deal. This is happening. I can't have my name in it. You know, you can't say I told you because, you know, I'm going to get in some hot water. But here you go. So um, in that, that's something that will happen sometimes. Are you ever amazed when that kind of thing happens to you, where people just literally hand you the golden goose? <laughs> it's 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 nice. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, and, and that one was an, an, an interesting one. And so here's uh, so I th- that one was one of the more interesting ones in, in my career at, at the start. So um, I had a couple sources tell me that Drew was about to sign with the Sabres. Oh, he was leaving UND is what you're saying. He was leaving okay, UND after his third yep. year. He was going to sign with Oh, Buffalo. I see why he used um, He didn't use you, but that's why he well, used that as a vehicle. I got it. Well, so, and so here's the, the whole story, though. He So he found out that I had heard he was going to sign. Right. So Drew called me and said, hey, look, like my deal isn't officially done yet. And I'm really worried if it gets out that I'm going to sign that it could screw it up. Here's what happened with one of my friends a couple of years ago. Um, it, can you hold off on it? As long as I promise you, I'll give you the scoop when it happens. So that was one where uh, I could have gone either way. I, I, I told you I will hold off on it. Um, and uh, that, you know, I had no idea whether he was going to come back and give it to give this scoop to me uh i thought he would but all of a sudden he got uh selected to play in the world right so he goes over to latvia he signed his contract when when he was in latvia and he went and found a calling card so he could call me uh (laughs) from latvia to to give me the scoop and i always thought that was so cool of him to do that like he didn't have to go out of his way and do that but uh i think uh he respected that uh i I agreed to hold off until the contract was actually signed and then of course once it was signed he he came back and and gave that scoop to me so uh, i always thought that was pretty cool that he did that all right uh one more uh journalism uh topic and this is and you you put this one out for me and I thought it was kind of neat. Uh, it's the open records request. Explain what an open yeah. records request and, and what that does for a journalism journalist like yourself. Yeah. A, a lot of uh, things are, are public, you know, for public institutions uh, you can get public documents. Um, you know, one of the things a lot of times I do in the off season is I'll open record request every public school, college hockey head coach contract, in the country, uh, college hockey, they have 60 teams. I think 30 are public and 30 are private. So Mm -hmm. it's like the private schools, I can't get anything from them. The public schools, you can get like anything from. So, uh, I get, I can get all their contracts. What do you get out of a contract? What's in, what's in the contract? That's so interesting. 
basically, uh, what I do is I keep them on file. And then if a coach gets fired, I can quickly bring it out and say, this is what the school owes the guy. This is what's in his contract. Um, I know how many wow, years are left that's on cool. all these guys' contracts. So, yeah, so, like, if you see a guy fired and right away the reporting is they have to pay this much of a buyout to do that, that's because the reporter did his homework before and had that sitting there and didn't have to send in the request after the firing happened, wait two, three days to get it back and then report it. It's, it's the reporting that's done beforehand. Um, you know, sometimes they're just interesting things you'll find in there that might be a uh, story worthy. You know, uh, if, uh, if a team wins a national championship right away, you can report, Hey, the coach is getting this much of a bonus because they yeah. won the national championship. This yep. is in the contract. Um, so a lot of times it's when I get these contracts back, I'm not writing a story. I'm just preparing for anything that could happen in the future that I can quickly reference something. That's very cool. Talk about so the I, uh, the Mankato one. That was a great story. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of these uh, um, public schools, each state's different, but e- emails are public records. Um, so, what you can do, you can't if you just say, "Hey, can I get all their emails?" They're going to say, "Well, there's." you know, 30,000 of them, it's going to take this long and it's going to cost you this much money because it's going to take us this, you know, this much time and effort. So you try to really narrow it down. Um, I had heard some rumblings that uh, Minnesota State Mankato was interested in joining the NCHC. You know, maybe they were going to apply or had applied. And so just, you know, kind of out of the dark, I uh, sent an open record request for uh, all emails between um, Minnesota State's athletic director and uh, Josh Fenton at the, of NCHC. the NCHC. And um, sure enough, they had applied. And, and so I got that. But he, it kind of played out funny. So uh, I think in Minnesota, they have 14 days to get back to you. Uh, on the 13th day, I got an email citing a law that allows them to extend that by one week so that means they bought themselves seven more days and the second i got that i'm like oh there's something there like i definitely (laughs) got something and and they want to prepare for it so i knew at that point something was coming um you know i ended up not really getting that scoop because uh 10 minutes before they sent me the emails they put out a statement saying Yes, we still are happy in the WCHA, but we did explore the NCHC. And everyone was like, why would you come out and say that? Well, the reason why is because it was about to come out. Yeah, and so they did damage after, control, right? Yes, correct. So 10 minutes after they sent out that statement, I, I got my uh, email back. And, um, you know, of course, they had their statement. My story was able to put in uh, the emails that they had sent the, the league and um, maybe a little bit more depth. But yeah, that's uh, and then I did the same thing for Arizona State, and, I, and sure enough, Arizona State had applied too, and I had their application. But Arizona State didn't really care to put out a statement because they had uh, no league. They were really upset because they're independents. I can only imagine the when you had that when you got the notification for the seven days. You're thinking, I got something here, and then, yeah. but did you also think that the that the Mankato would come back and and put something out before you could publish something um kind of uh my thought was when they're buying time they're trying to figure out how to proceed right and they're going to have something ready um you know paul allen is their sports info director there and he's uh, outstanding 
uh, I've always, you know, you know, he's, you know, widely known to, to be one of the best out there. And so I, I knew he would be smart enough to have the damage control ready. And he was. Imagine trying to write that brief or that press yeah. release. That would be an ugly yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk some UND hockey. Um, I think we, I have this narrowed down to in your, I've picked uh, three teams that I want to talk about, maybe four if we have some time, um, that you've covered. Um, and I, I, you know, I've looked at your tenure at, at the Herald, and I want to talk about a few of these teams. So 05-06 has to be, I mean, just from a sheer names perspective, it's a team that didn't even win a national championship, but what a group that was. You want to talk about those guys? Yeah, so that was my very first year on the beat. So what, that's, a, what a good that's, beat, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of memorable for a few reasons. But, um, yeah, that freshman class was uh, absolutely loaded. Uh, they had uh, Jonathan Taves. Uh, T.J. Oshie, Ryan Duncan, Brian Lee, Taylor Chorney. Um, I, I could go through the list. Drew Stafford here. was on that team. And, and, then, and then the upperclassmen, they had Drew Stafford and Travis Ajak, uh, Rastislav Spierko. You know, Chris Porter was an upperclassman. Matt Smavey was on that team. He played in the NHL. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt Watkins was a freshman. He played for Phoenix. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that team uh, had – loads and loads of talents they they were extremely young they had thir- like over half the roster was freshmen i think they had 25 guys on the roster and 13 were freshmen wow so and, and not only were they freshmen like tj oshi was an 18 year old freshman jonathan taves was 17 he didn't turn 18 yes. until after the whole freshman season ended he played two years here and after his second year ended after his career ended he was still 18 so like th- these guys were extremely young, um, but you know they, they had a you know a little bit of a tough start uh, because they were so young. But as they got adjusted to um, college hockey, they went on a, a, a really good run in the second half of the year. So um, which yeah, they used went to th- be kind of that was the Hackstall. It was wasn't it? Yeah, it was like they were was. terrible before January first yeah. every year, and then it just they would just get going, right? Yeah, he would he would uh, definitely uh, a, a lot of times they, they had, that, that was part of the, the the reason I think. So the year before that team had tons of seniors, right? Uh, they they had like nine. That's why they had so many freshmen. They had tons of seniors, and uh, you know, and, and you know, Matt Green left early. Yeah, uh, but they. they uh, uh, a lot of his teams, he lost guys to the NHL. It took the first half for them to figure it out. And he was just really, really good at building teams. And by the end of the year, man, were his teams uh, just machines by the end of the year. Um, let's move before we get to the 2010-11 team. You and I, before we kind of were going through some of these teams, let's talk about that fight at uh, Mariucci, uh, the Joe Finley, Blake Wheeler handshake. Matt Duncan gets, Ryan Duncan gets knocked out of the game in the first seven seconds. What do you remember about that game? A, from, I hate to use the word fan, but just from a fear eye candy perspective from that game, but also just the fight and the tension between the two benches and the teams. Well, I mean, it, it just seems like, uh, you know, especially back in that that time that the, the, the tension was always there. Like every game, there was that intensity. 
there is the emotion uh, and though you know i think uh, that added to the atmosphere of the games and how much fans enjoyed watching them because it was those games were always the, the most intense games of the year and sometimes it boiled over and maybe more than sometimes yeah it's uh, funny it, when we were talking i'm like do you remember the fight uh, the 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 minnesota and you go which one yeah. <laughs> you the, the handshake line fight i'm like and you said which one i'm like yeah. i thought there was only one cuz i was at that game but apparently there was one up at und as well yeah there was there, there were a couple of them i remember so um, what do you from a writer? You have your, your your laptop out, and you're probably about to run downstairs to the, to the press conference, and all of a sudden a bench clear brawl, brawl I mean a, a line brawl happens. Uh, so that one, I wish I could remember. If I, uh, I think I'm I'm almost certain I saw it. Uh, you know, I, I that I, I saw it and went down there, and you know, I'd have to bring up my game story to remember exactly what it, what I wrote about that night, but. Um, you know, that, you know, that's, uh, you, you probably have a, a story that you're, uh, working on and you kind of think, you know, what your lead is. And at that point it's like, okay, well, I guess I got something else to write about here. So, um, <laughs> you know, then you go down and ask for quotes. I, I, I'm going to have to look up my game story on that one to see what I wrote about that. That, that would night. be a fun one. All right. Let's fast forward about five years to the 2010, 11 team. Uh, that had some great names on it as well. Yeah, that team was, uh, you know, top to bottom, uh, you know, arguably the best team I've, I've covered. Uh, you know, their their top line was uh, Matt Fratton, Evan Trupp, and Brad Malone, and they were extremely dominant that year. Um, and, and it was just such a well-put-together line. Fratton had 36 goals that year. Uh, since that year, nobody has exceeded that total. Right. Johnny Gaudreau also had 36 that year uh, during his Hobie year. Um, Trump was just a really, really creative player, one of the best setup guys. Uh, you know, both Fratton and Malone were extremely physical. And so no matter what an opponent wanted to do against them, they were, they were ready for it. You want to play up and down. Great. They want to play up and down. You want to try to play the physical in your face game. Great. They're going to do that too. So they were just such a dominant line. And then if you got through that line without Fratton scoring, they'd roll the second line that had Jason Gregoire who scored 25 goals. Right. Um, you know, that would, uh, what was the leader in the country this year? 27? Yeah. So here's a guy in your second line with 25 goals. I'd like to see how many college hockey teams in the last 15 years had a second line guy uh, with 25 goals. Like, was Brock Nelson on that team too? Uh, so we'll get to him in a second. Okay. <laughs> so, so we had uh, Corbin Knight was the uh, center. Brett Hextall, who had an excellent year, was the winger on that one. So if you get through those two lines, then all of a sudden you bring out Brock Nelson and Danny Cristo on the third line. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so that, the, that, you know, all of a sudden you have some mismatches. Their, their fourth line, they had uh, Carter Rowney, who has since won the Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so, like, those, that, that forward group was the deepest forward group I've seen. I, you know, I, don't, I can't even think of another college hockey team in my 15 years that had four lines that were that deep. Uh, on the back end, they had some really good players. You know, you had the Che Genaway, who was yep. uh, really, really dynamic and small. Uh, ben Blood, who was, you know, bigger, oh, physical. Oh, don't get me started on puck. that guy. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, you had uh, Derek Forbert. Uh, 
you know, Jake Mardo and Derek LaPointe were both seniors who had been around. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, the goalie was Aaron Dell, who's still in the NHL with right. the San Jose Sharks and, the, you know, is now their number one. So, like, you know, top to bottom, that team was so good. All right. Um, now, the team that, you know, recent memory you just can't forget is the 2015-16 team that goes down to Tampa and just kind of wins over all of college hockey. Talk about the, the – was, was it Besser, Schmaltz, Kajula? Is that the, the big front line? That was the big line, and, and they really just uh, kind of dominated teams night in and night out. Uh, no one really had an answer for that line all year long. Um, perhaps the, the – the best answer was uh, Denver had a really, really good top line. And so uh, I remember a couple of games, uh, North Dakota, Denver games where those two lines were just going back and forth. Denver had Trevor Moore, Danton Heinen and Dylan Gambrell on that top line. So th- that was a pretty fun uh, uh, back and forth games to watch with them. But really uh, that top line was dominant. Their decor, you know, four of them are NHL regulars. Uh, so they, they were super deep there and, um, you know, that, that was, that was what stood out is they, they were, you know, they, they had, they got some good scoring from depth. They had a decent shutdown line, but man, that, that top line just, you know, was really well put together and, and no one had an answer for, it. I remember they went into the national championship game against Quinnipiac that year. Yep. And the day before the game, uh, one of the media members asked Rand Pecknell, the head coach at Quinnipiac, uh, you know, how do you slow down these guys? What, how, what do you do against them? And, you know, he he said, "Look, we've played against the the, the VZ line at Harvard," and he yep. kind of listed off some of the super uh, elite teams that had just beaten Boston College, and and he listed off some of the high end top lines. He's like, "Look, we've played really good top lines before and, and been fine." And then after the game, I that you know, Besser had four points and Kajula scored a couple times, and he came to the presser and said, "We haven't seen anything like those guys this year." <laughs> so. So he kind of ate his words, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he said he's, he said you know, just the way that they defend on top of the way they create. He said we haven't seen anything like those. Guys. And the unselfishness of that that all those guys was was pretty much their calling card, if you ask me. It, it was, and I think that's why they fit so well together. Um, you know, I, Besser just meshed with those guys right away, you know, especially Nick Schmaltz on and off the ice. Those guys were inseparable and Schmaltz was the, you know, he, he's the guy who never really got tons of credit, but right. he was so good. He, he made all his line mates, uh, so good. Cause he was such a good setup, man. He created space. Besser had that shot, you know, anytime he got a look and Drake Kajula did just about everything. And he was a senior and a leader and had been through frozen four losses the previous two years. And, um, you know, he was just driven to win and, and he did that. And he was the MVP of the frozen four that year. So, this year's team, we got a couple minutes like to talk about this. You had, uh, you wrote an article uh, within the last 10, 15 days about hanging a banner. Let's go into the team, a little bit about the team, and then talk a little bit about the banner. Yeah, so, you know, uh, this, this year's team had an unbelievable season. Uh, they went 26-5-4. That is the fourth best record in the 74 year history of UND wow, hockey that's good winning to know. percentage 
Yeah, the, the, the only teams that were better were 87, mm-hmm. which was the Hercus Circus we'll and Belfort the, team. We'll get to that yeah. one. I get, you're, you're trying to give away my Mount Rushmore, aren't you? <laughs> that, that, that team won the national championship. The 2016 team won the national championship. And the 1999 team, which lost in the regional final, those are the only three teams that have ever posted uh, a better winning percentage. So this team was, you know, really dominant, uh, deep. Uh, they had a knack for winning close games. They had a knack for blowing teams out when they got leads. Uh, so uh, they had a really good year, and uh, they were the number one team in the pairwise. One of the advantages that they were going to have was they were going to have last line change throughout the tournament. Uh, UND's shutdown line of Mark Sendon, Gavin Hain, and Cole Smith um, – that's three Minnesotans there. That's you. right. Um, that that line was unbelievable all year long. Uh, every time they played a, a team, they would throw those guys against the top line, and teams just had a tough time against them. You know, I remember they played Miami. Miami has three really, really dynamic forwards, and they loaded those guys up on the top line. Uh, the first night, um, you know, Sandin, Smith, and Hayne shadowed them, and they just didn't do anything and so the second night Miami's coach figured we got to split these guys up we got to get at least one or two of them away from from those guys so they did and they were much better so um when UND had last line change this year they had last line change 19 times this year and they won 18 of those games really so you're you're basically you're hanging a banner already aren't you well, I mean, you know what? I, I've been around college hockey long enough to know you have no idea what's going to happen in the right. tournament. Crazy things happen, things you don't expect. There's no way of knowing how the tournament would have played out. Uh, do I like? Would I have liked UND's chances? Yeah. Uh, there, there were a lot of uh, a lot of things to like, but I'm I'm not naive enough to to think that we know what would have happened because it's just a, it's a it's a one and done scenario. Crazy things happen in one and done. Um, so my, my, my suggestion was uh, that, that we don't know who would have won the national championship this no. year. Um, this team never got a shot. And so how do you historically remember a season like this? You don't. Um, it's it, weird. It, it, it's, it's tough to, to quantify. Uh, the only thing I could think of that's similar. The NCAA is, you know, in my lifetime and your, and all of our lifetimes as a warrior champion, the only sport they don't is major college football. Yes. And they never have. Um, the, the team that won the national championship was just whatever team was number one in the polls at the end of the year. Yep. Uh, if different teams were number one in different polls, they both are call themselves national champions like, uh, Nebraska and Michigan. Um, you know, in 1990 at Georgia Tech, and was it Washington? Yes. Uh, you know, you, you just think back to these oh, years. There was a year where Penn State, it was literally, I was at a Penn State-Minnesota game 20-some years ago, and, and literally it was 1994 New York Times national champion. Like, I don't remember 19, I remember Nebraska being the national champion that yeah. year. You know, it's crazy how people can take one little beat, piece of snippet and, and, and put a banner up. So your well, idea was not completely as crazy as people make it sound, you know? So, so my idea was, um, that's how they recognize teams. It's the number one teams at the end of the year. Uh, there were two teams that were ranked number one at the end of the year. UND was number one in the pairwise, which is what the NCAA uses. Yep. 
Yep. They were number one in the RPI. They were number one in the crash rankings. Uh, Cornell ended up being the number one team in the USCHO poll. So if you're looking by historical significance, uh, you know, they're as much national champions as these college football teams. However, I, I think there's a difference between the UND teams that won national championships uh, by winning the tournament than a team like this year. So my idea was uh, that they should hang their national championship banners are all on one end of the arena and they're all green. Right. My idea was they should hang a banner that's black. Yeah, I saw So that. it's it's different than the other ones. It recognizes a that this this team was not like the eight green ones, but b this team also deserves to be recognized as they are the only team in program history that never had a chance to play for a title. And they were the number one team when the season came to an end. So my idea is to just to put the black banner up there, uh, maybe write uh, number one on there, or just put the team's record 26, five and four. And uh, as a history nerd, I, I think that would be pretty cool in 15 years down the road when a, a kid comes to the game and says, what's the deal with, that yeah. black banner, and then you t- tell them the story of what happened this year. And, and the black is significant for two reasons. Number one, just the tone of how the season ended. Correct. Right? I thought that was um, a good idea. Number two, they played their first game of the year and their last game of the year wearing their third jerseys, which are black. Uh, they won They won 5-0 on both of them. They bookended the year. Uh, they had an unbelievable record in their black jerseys this year whenever they wore them. So I think that there's another significance to the color black in this team. Did anyone from the university talk to you about that? Afterwards, I heard from some people. Yeah, I'm talking um, about officials of the university, not fans. I'm sure fans love that that article. No, you know, it's, it's some some do, some don't. Um, I, I would say most of the fans thought that was a cool way of recognizing this team. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we'll see what happens. I, I'm curious. Uh, I, I think, uh, there was someone from the university that, uh, reached out that said, that's a really intriguing idea. Uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about this and, and that's see what great. we want to do. That's great. That's great. Never, we never knew the power of the pen was so powerful, right? <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. All right. Before we announce our UND, uh, uh, Mount Rushmore's. I'm going to throw out a couple f- really prominent uh, brother family pairs and feel free to insert a few of your own. I've gotten to know a lot of these guys uh, through my youth hockey hub career the last 10 years. So Jeff and Jay Panzer, uh, the Spiewax, the Hoogsteins. So you can't forget that the Dave Christian is the uncle of Brock Nelson. So there's a lot of great family connections there at UND. Do you have any other ones where there's multiples? Oh man, I mean they've had so many um, you know family members and brothers that I, I'm going to forget some, but you know I think uh, uh, Greg and Ryan Johnson are yes. two super prominent ones. Greg Johnson's their all-time leading scorer, so uh, he definitely comes to mind uh, as uh, right up there. You you talked about the Panzers. Uh, um, I mean. They've had so many brothers that have come through here that it's it's you know I'm, I'm going to be leaving out a ton of them, but uh, I think that the Johnson family has to be. Uh, yep. Uh, they, they had three Johnson brothers that all came here, so I think that they have to be uh, right at the top of the list. 
Yeah, it's fun to kind of just look back and choose those. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to throw my – mine's old school. Like, mine ends at 2000, so I'm well, guessing – Well, let, let, let's throw yours. I'll tell you which ones I have that are uh, – This I, I may have some of the same as you. All right, so I'm going to go uh, – one of my all-time favorite uh, just people in this world, great guy. Uh, probably, if there's an all-time greatest UND player, it'd be hard to beat – David Christian. So I'm going to go with Dave Christian mm-hmm. first. Um, his number of games played. I mean, when I th- when I roll this out at you, you know, number of games played in the NHL, uh, a world champion, uh, Olympic champion, uh, amount of points in the NHL history. It, it's it's a staggering. If you if you don't have him on your list, um, it, he has to be on it just because of that. Uh, I'm going to go best goalie I ever saw wear that uniform and there's been a ton of great goalies including their current uh, assistant coach but I'm still going to go with Ed Belfer Mm-hmm. And the most fun player I ever saw wear that uniform was Tony Herkus. So he's going to be on there. And then I'll go a little bit new school here. Uh, one of my best buds. He's going to be a podcast uh, guest eventually on this show. Uh, I'm going to go Jeff Panzer as well. So there's my Mount Rushmore uh, UND. What's yours? Those are those are good ones. We're kind of going players, right? Yep. Uh, players. Okay. Well, um, we could go coach too. If, if we go coach, I'm going to have to go gas I'm going to go gas as well. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So, um, you know, the first one for me, man, I mean, this is pretty tough, but my, my number one, uh, first one's going to be Cal Marvin. Um, because, you uh, stole that. That's a, I, I, I thought about him so hard. I'm like, Oh boy. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's a great one. I, I, I tip my hat on that one. Without Cal Marvin, there is no UND hockey. Yes. Uh, you know, Cal Marvin and Dan McKinnon, uh, you know, were the two that drove from Laurel to UND to try to convince the AD to start hockey. So, um, for me, he's definitely in there. Um, you know, I have Greg Johnson. Yep. That's another good uh, one. Greg Johnson's the all time leading scorer. He stayed all four years. He could have left, uh, just on and off the ice was, uh, kind of the epitome uh, of UND hockey. Um, my third one, I would go with Tony Herkus. Uh, you know, just he had the greatest season uh, in NCAA hockey history to this day with yep. 116 points, and in the greatest you on the greatest UND team of all time, yep. uh, winning percentage wise. And then uh, the fourth one, if if we're going uh, coach, it would be uh, Gino Gasparini because of uh, after about a decade of uh, uh, down. Uh, years for UND hockey. He brought them back. He won three national championships. And uh, you know what else he did? Um, the three coaches that followed him were Dean Blaze, Dave Haxtall, and Brad Berry. Uh, he brought Dean Blaze on as an assistant yep. uh, when he was there. Uh, and he recruited and coached both Dave Haxtall and Brad Berry at this time here. So uh, his influence just runs so deep. If we're going strictly players, Yep. My my fourth one is going to be Zach Parisi. Ooh. Um, I, Never I won a national championship, though. He did not win a national championship. However, he spawned um, all those sad guys coming uh, after him. 
He, he was the first one to come. The other Shattuck guys that followed were Drew Stafford, Brady Murray, Jonathan Taves, uh, just, uh, you know, Taylor Chorney, Ryan Duncan. So many great players followed. And I think that has launched um, – UND into still what it is today. You know, Drake Kajula was the national uh, uh, Frozen Four MVP in 2016. Right. Well, what Kajula was from Toronto, not the traditional you no. know, ground of where they recruit it's, from. Why did he rare. come here? Because he saw Jonathan Taves play in the World Juniors and he wanted to come here. And why did Jonathan Taves come here? I think a big reason why is Zach Parisi. So, like, I, I think the trickle-down effect of Zach Parisi coming here and what he did is just a extremely long legacy. When he spurned the University of Minnesota, uh, it was it was hurt. You could feel how bad it hurt here. <laughs> Not just as yeah. from a Gopher fan. I'm talking just an objective statement. It, you could feel it. You could feel yeah. that this kid was – we knew that he was a top 10. I don't know if he was top 10 draft pick, but he was close. It was like 11th maybe, whatever. You knew that this was a first-round draft pick. You knew he was a program changer that mm-hmm. uh, Don Lucia couldn't get to come to Minnesota. And that was – you could feel it, you know. Yeah, and, and you know what? He had more hype coming in here of any player I've seen during my time. Yeah, was you were wild. in college during that, right? I was, and you know what? He lived up to it. That's the thing. Like he had so much hype, and he lived up to it. He was as good as advertised, and you know, not only the impact he had the years he was here. Just like I said, I, I think his legacy is an extremely long one that that impacts the program to this day. You've had uh, seen a lot of great uh, players, and you know we, as as journalists and writers, we have so many stories being jammed into our into our brains and our computers and our phones. Do you have a story that you know you just haven't told, or there's a great story that that doesn't get told enough? You know, the the, the chicken wing story is is a yeah. classic one, but do you have a story like that that we could wrap the show up? Like this is the one that, you know that doesn't get told enough, or or or, or brings back a great memory from from being a beat writer for the for the Sioux and, and Fighting Hawks? For me, it's always the really little things that I don't know if other people find super interesting. But when, when I look back at some of the, the games I've covered, like sometimes it's just really like little things that you remember about them that are the, the things I take from it. And I read a story uh, a little while back about um, – you know, about covering every game in the last decade. Because I was at every home every home, and every road game during the 2010s. Right. And I shared a bunch of those, like, little stories that I remember from them. And, and it's stuff that you're probably uh, not, don't think is uh, super groundbreaking, but they're just the memories I have. And, you know, I, you know we were uh, just uh, earlier today uh, when I was uh, compiling some, old records and stuff and um i i saw the the box score from when uh und um won the regional in 2014 it would have been in cincinnati yep and just the the one funny there are little funny things i remember and um it was uh um, jason hadjdu was the sports info guy he works for und he sits next to me in the press box and 
uh, he goes down to the locker room before the game. You know how intense Dave Hackstall is yeah. during game time. Um, so he comes up and he has this bewildered look on his face. And I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Like, you look like something's wrong. He goes, Hack is being really weird right now. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He was like, he was like joking in the locker room and laughing. And he was telling me I need to relax and lighten up. And I'm like, what? You've got Dave Hackstall on the game days? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, he's like, it's almost like he knows something we don't. And UND was the four seed that year. They barely, they were the last team in the tournament. Right. They were playing a really, really good Wisconsin team. And sure enough, they, they beat Wisconsin 5-2. They, they won the next night and went to the Frozen Four. But they weren't what, what supposed I remember to be is, there, right? They weren't. They were the yeah. four seed. But what, what, I, what I remember is that uh, Hack's being really weird right now. He's laughing and joking in the locker room before a game. Like, what's going on? I, uh, that was that was a, a funny one. And uh, the other one I remember, because <clears throat> looking at the reg- old regionals to, you know, the other day was to the year they won the national championship. Um, so we, I do my picks before. And uh, I picked UND to lose in the regional championship that year to Michigan. Right. That was when they had the Kyle Connor, Mott, and Comfort line. Yeah. Um, and so, anyways, uh, and I also do a thing every year where I flip my coin, and I have my coin pick the, the bracket too. Right. To see if my my coin can do a better job than I can. My coin actually picked UND to win that year. Um, and, and I picked them to lose in the regional final. Well, anyways, UND beats Northeastern in the first game. I go down to the locker room. I'm doing interviews in the locker room, and I hear someone, I think it was Troy Stetcher, and interrupt my interview. I was like, Seth, you think we're going to lose? Like, you picked against us? And a couple other guys were like, yeah, well, what's, what's up with that? And I told them, like, guys, like, I picked you guys to beat Northeastern, and you guys just beat Northeastern. Uh, so you can't give me crap yet. I'm like, yeah. if you guys win tomorrow and beat Michigan, you can give me crap the whole way back to Grand Forks, but you can't give me crap yet. They're like, no, okay, okay, that's fair. Um, and so, uh, and th- this was a fun team. You know, we like joking around and stuff. And so, anyways, they win the next night against Michigan. My coworker and I are walking down the locker room to do interviews. And I'm like, oh, they're going to absolutely give it to me in the locker room. Yep. And Tom's like, oh, they just made the Frozen Four. They're going to be celebrating. They're not going to worry about that. And I'm like, no, trust me. They're, they're going to be giving it to me in there. So there's a 10-minute cooling-off period, and we're standing outside the door with about 15 journalists about 15 feet away from the door. And through the door, we can uh, hear one of the guys bellowing, Where's Schloss? Get him in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, uh, Jason opened the locker room with the biggest smile on his face and said, Oh, Brad, locker room's open. And so I walked in there, and they they all just uh, resoundingly booed me as I walked in. It was pretty hilarious. And, um, yeah, that, that team liked to have fun, and that was uh, just kind of a, a memory I always have in. That's great. That's I, I love these stories. We could go on and on. You're like a encyclopedia uh, of UND and college hockey. It's funny. You, you gave me a new website, by the way, collegehockeystats.net. You can find everything on there how many times a day how many times a year do you go visit this website with all the stats and box scores and things like that during a week when i'm preparing for a weekend people are going to think i'm exaggerating but i'm not i i go on that site at least a hundred times during the week at a minimum to to look up stats and stuff so um it's it's great very thorough it's unbelievably how thorough this website is 
no ads, no pictures. So the, the pages load instantly. So you can rifle through pages in no time. And that's why I, I love it. Well, speaking of ads, a uh, huge shout out to our sponsor, Lots of Matza Pizza, for their continual sponsorship of Youth Hockey Hub. A huge shout out to you, Brad. Uh, I really appreciate our time before the show and obviously on the air here with our show. I uh, look forward to reading more of your stuff here with the Herald and Inform Sports. Thanks for taking the time out today. For sure. Thanks for having me. Brad Elliott Schlossman.